Customer Experience Foundation is our weekly podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX and contact centres. The movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors and the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Neris Caulfield. Before setting up her consultancy, Nera spent 18 years in some of the UK's most responsive outsourcers, managing contact centre services for clients such as Volkswagen, Vodafone, British Gas, the National Apprenticeship Service and Sky. Since setting up Injection Consulting, Nera has immersed herself into contact centre technology space and is an advisor and a consultant for and assessor of vendor technologies. This six-year immersion into the world of contact centre technology, coupled with extensive operational experience, has existed as the backdrop to carrying out regular contact centre audits, delivering transformation programmes, judging prestigious awards like the European Contact Centre and Customer Service Awards, was also chair of the DMA Contact Centre Council for three years, and is a regular on the webinar, keynote and podcast circuit talking all things contact centres. Neris, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. That's quite a long list of accolades. <laughs> I know, all self-written as well. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. Lovely to be here. Really nice to be here. So, uh, what are you working on at the moment, and what have you? Um, what are the big challenges that, that you're seeing in the market at the moment? The main things I'm working on at the moment are all around helping customers determine their right investment for the next three to five years. So whether that's with, um, yeah, I'm working, my main client as as a consultant is Atos. And Atos have lots of global contact centers and some of them are on premise with an old solution and are looking to go to the cloud. So it's about helping them determine the right solution to move to the cloud. And what I tend to do is go in and audit them and really look at where they're looking to go from a CX aspiration, from an employee customer experience, and then the clever guys, the techie guys, map that to the right technology and functionality that will deliver to those targets. So um, I work across, you know, in America, I'm working with a customer, working with a customer in Brussels, and then quite a few in the UK as well. So. Yeah, seeing quite a lot of move to the cloud, even in public sector, um, which is great. And yeah, lots of real desire to fully utilize new tech. Okay. And obviously, we've seen an awful lot of development in the um, contact center technology and telephony space, particularly in the last um, three years or so. Uh, what's, What's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's been really interesting, isn't it? You know, I always, it's funny when you think about 
omni-channel and now people are like we need an omni-channel solution it's like well they've been around for 15 years why didn't you put it in 15 years ago and at least put your email into your unified queue but mobilizing sometimes takes something like the experience that we've just had to create like this real shift in realizing that yes things do need to change and when you're um in a situation where you're working from home with one screen and you've got to have much more clarity of that whole um, holistic view on what's happening, then integrating applications and having a universal experience becomes much more critical. And of course, just seeing the absolute explosion of Teams and other UC solutions and yeah. people and it's quite that's quite interesting seeing um how people now want to extend frontline customer services into sort of that back office function and want that presence and to understand uh, yeah have have that connection between those two teams so the contact center is becoming less of an island so that's that's quite interesting and then i love all the ai stuff and um, you know, working with customers around that side. So, and, and we've seen quite a lot of uh, market acquisition and consolidation and mergers, uh, particularly last summer. Um, do, do you see more of that happening? What effect do you think that's going to have on the market and who really benefits from that? Great question. Yeah, great question. Yeah, there is still more consolidation to go. I think if you look at the... Mm -hmm. CCAS vendors, um, you know, there's probably 10 to 15 that hit the magic quadrant all the time. That landscape's changing quite a bit with the sort of highly customized Twilio, Amazon Connect versus the sort of off the shelf, low code solutions like 5.9 CX1, uh, Genesis Cloud you know those guys but yeah there's definitely more consolidation to come i think and what that means to customers is that they you know they should be dictating more about their terms and what they want to see from those vendors particularly you know but don't focus on the functionality they can all pretty much do the same thing Focus on the value and making sure that those businesses understand how to deliver that continual improvement and value to you. So, yeah, I think it's going to become much less about functionality war and more about customer success. That's which is a great. really interesting point. That's a really interesting point because obviously the way that we buy these technologies has also changed a lot. Again, particularly in the last three to, three to five years, you know, the the, the days of spending half a million pounds on a, on a lump of metal to sit in the corner along gone, right? Right, exactly that. But interestingly, I don't think the people who are procuring the services, the, the solutions, there's a lot of them that are still stuck with the on-premise mindset. And so really? they go out to market for a cloud. Yeah, they go out to market for a cloud, but then they really frame it as if they, they just haven't taken that leap of, the art of the possible with a you know a subscription-based service and that the agility that comes with that and how that changes in terms of the commercial model as well so yeah i think some of the procurement is still quite wedded in can it do this can it do that yeah that's important but seriously 
they can pretty much, if you're looking at those top right, they can pretty much do all the same thing. Um, just yeah. some of them do it more intuitively with better architecture in the back end. And, you know, yeah. So it is an in, it's a fascinating space, though, and one that I've only sort of really been into in the last six or seven years. Because, well, I don't know about you, uh, Keith, but if you think when I think we started in this world about the same time in the late 90s, you know, tech wasn't really it was just something that was sitting there. And it was falling over now and again. But the amount that we'd have to—I mean, I used to fax customers their reports on a morning. That was my first job of the morning to yeah. send all my outsourcing customers their daily SLA report on over fax. Yes. Um, you know, I think there's the, but there's been a real explosion of how and an, an appreciation, particularly in the last 18 months, of how how the technology can really supplement people and processes and, and deliver enhancements around that. Super. And what's the future? What should we, we be looking out for? You touched on AI. Um, what, what else should we be looking for, or is it all about AI? I, I, I always want to write a blog called Is It Time to Wipe Your Bot? Because... Uh, <laughs> somebody somebody please um there's a lot of talk about ai and of course it can it can fulfill lots of different roles but from a from a bot basic intent bot response point of view you know that is great to put a, a chat bot in that can answer really you know the high volume low effort transactions and you do see people doing that but where it's going to go is just going to be it's just going to carry on the you know I've just done a load of um, judging for the CX awards and it's incredible the amount of data that these engines that are true AI engines not just your basic intent based you know responses they're feeding off billions of conversations a day to, you know, to get this continued learning. So that's only going to get better. And that's a very competitive space. So, again, great for the customers. Um, but I don't see, I don't know what you think about this, but I still see voice. It's like the little black, black dress. It's just a mainstay. You have to have it. Um, it offers great value. And, you know, and as such, the advisors doing it have to be rewarded for, you know, for being the face in the front of the brand. Yes. And, and what's your take on that? Because certainly what, what I've seen with the clients that I'm working with at the moment is that even in the last six months, an awful lot more has moved, particularly to live chat. And what's left on voice is ever more complex and yet we're still asking the entire industry or is expecting to pay you know, fairly, fairly minimum wage. Um, and, you know, that, that can't be sustainable forever. My, my other point on that, however, is, you know, just because you're paying low wages doesn't automatically equal low service. You know, there are, there are, there are some jobs you could pay someone, you know, £35 an hour and they still wouldn't provide great service because great service is an ethos. So low service doesn't automatically, low pay doesn't automatically equal low service. What's your take on that? Yeah, no, no, definitely. So I think that the role of the advisor is changing. That, that you know, when I speak to advisors, like 
try and do that as much as I possibly can to keep my ear to the ground by listening to the front line and their experiences. And yeah, they are then left as we've always, you know, for 10 years we've been saying that, haven't we, Keith? The, yes. you know, the rise of the super agent. But I, I think that the value of the contact centre and the value of those interactions has definitely increased. And you're seeing many more examples of the C-suite taking appreciation of that. Yes. I was working with a customer the other day and I was so cross because they I said, right, the C-suite, if they think that's an acceptable wage, they need to go down and spend an hour with those advisors and then they'll decide if that's an acceptable wage. And the response was, oh, no, well, they can't because they're a band X or Y or whatever and that they wouldn't do that. I mean, what a ridiculous situation to be in. Um, yeah. So... I think that this is all great, but there's still a long way to go in some environments where the appreciation of the advisor's value needs to be fully realised. And I think we'll also see them doing different things. I think there'll be a much more blended approach to inbound and outbound. So what we're seeing is customers who are have, have got capacity because the live chat is taking over X amount of hours per day. They're not... They're not losing staff or they're not, you know, they still are replacing against their attrition levels. But what they're tending to do is say, right now, let's go out and do a welcome call. Let's go out and do a benefit value call from an outbound perspective. So they're becoming much more blended in their interactions. Yes, that's really you seeing that. I, I am. I, I'm working with a client at the moment who are doing that, but at the moment um, they're doing that separate teams, and I'm I'm talking talking with them about um, a, a a CX hub where all that is integrated. Because if they don't, they're just going to end up bringing in people like you and I in a year's time to unpick it and put it back together. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Don't tell anyone. Um, but. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it that is interesting, the siloed nature of quite a lot of uh, operational structures still within uh, businesses. And, you know, you still end up with your social media agents over in the corner as a team of six or seven. And then you've got your voice agents and that that disconnect is still definitely there. But I, I do see an amalgamation and, and definitely with social media is see, reaction and interaction is coming out of the marketing comms teams which again i think is a a very positive thing give it to the experts in customer service um, one one thing i'd also be interested in, in, in your take on is um where offshoring sits in this um certainly uh a number of years ago when offshoring became quite big there was uh, at least a perception that there was a, a correlation between offshoring and the declining quality. That's certainly no longer the case now. Um, and you're seeing a lot, uh, particularly in areas like South Africa, Eastern Europe, um, uh, a, a very high degree of quality, both for voice and non-voice, because it's not seen as a low-end job. It's seen as a valued job. Uh, and I wonder what your take was on that. Yeah, that's true. And I think this is where technology is helping as well. So the fact that you can have now real time interaction guidance, if you know, if you invest in that, 
So you can have the bots listening to the conversation and then presenting the right knowledge assets to the advisor to support them, steer the conversation, you know, next best action. Um, don't forget to say this in real time. That helps with the confidence that you need to feel like offshoring is, is the right thing because you're still going to get that transparency and visibility and they're not going to feel left you know, to, to just what happens in the training rooms, the, the, the solutions are supporting them. And then from a non-voice point of view, I mean, that's amazing. Solutions like Unbabble, for example, are taking what the question that is presented by the customer in their native language. So I send a message to you because I'm French, but you as an as a English speaker or whatever, Re read it in your native language yes. you respond in your native language comes back to me in my native language i mean that does afford you outsourcing to much lower cost um geographies which yes they you know so you can deliver cost saving but you can be assured of quality and like you say their motivation to do a good job their retention certainly in areas like south africa you know there's some really great outsourcers out there isn't there um and customers sending you know their environments but yeah i remember those bleak days when it was really bad and you had then adverts saying we're a uk contact center that became a usp and it's interesting now when you look at adverts some of the usps are we will talk to you with a live agent because yes. they're recognizing how rubbish some of those bot experiences are and they're using that as a usp anyway that's kind of meandering off the point but i think yeah i remember you doing qm programs for a big retailer from their insurance products at, in india and yeah it was a bit of a disaster really so i think technology is helping that mobilizing of outsourcing and keep but keeping knowledge and quality consistent fantastic um, really really interesting Neris thank you so much thinking more personally now like me you've uh, been in this sector a long time going back to the, uh, the late 90s how did you get started in, in, in contact centers talk us through your journey through the industry and where you, how you got um, to where you are today it was really a coincidence so I started off in wanting to be a salesperson like my dad um, because he used to go on really nice trips abroad and I thought that looks good um, yeah. so I started off in a contact centre in Bromley as the salesperson for an outsourcer and I won my first customer which was World Society for the Protection of Animals threw it over the wall to the client managers and then thought no I, I want to stay involved in that journey so then was part of the training and sitting next to the yeah. agents and loving all that and, and I stayed there and in that role and then moved to the listening company where it was about not just the client management. It was, you know, you were responsible for the operations team. So the team leaders reported into you and the client managers reported into you. Um, and that model then absorbs you fully into to ops and stayed in that then for for a very, very, very long time. And it's knackering, you know, outsourcing is really tiring it's relentless um and i don't see i don't think that's changed either so no. um after nearly 20 years i was like right i'm ready to become a consultant now so 
but I love the work like I love the people side of it that's the bit that I think grabs you with contact centers is you can sit next to an agent one day who's you know got a clothing line and is making some shoes another one that's got an architecture degree and they're just a real hodgepodge of wonderful experiences that end up you know where they are and yeah they're fascinating I love not all of them some of them are plonkers but mainly I love spending time with agents and team leaders it on calling floors the energy the focus the customer experience stuff it's great and what would you say you're most proud of in your career what are the biggest achievements oh god that is I, I love it when a piece of work goes really well and when the customer says, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And that's, you know, that's really interesting, that perspective. I'm I'm a bit, you know, I sort of say I'm unapologetically honest. And as such, it, you know, it can sometimes make the customer go, oh, what? That's a bit off. But, you know, it's my truth. I speak my truth from my outside in perspective. So, I've got a couple of examples where, yeah, gigs have gone really, really well. Yeah, so 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 that really, Keith, I think is, but it's not a specific example. And then I did love being chair of the DMA Contact Centre Council. That taught me a lot around regulation. You know, we had Ofcom and the ICO in quite a lot. So um, that side of things was really quite interesting as well. Fantastic. And what would you say is the biggest issue you've ever had to overcome? Oh, gosh, um, that is a really tough question. What is the biggest issue? Um, getting customers to understand that I'm right and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think uh, I, I think you, you get challenges every day, don't you? And I'm a very self-reflective. I know you, you're, you've got a really high EQ, and I think that's a really good thing from interacting. But it's also quite, it's quite tiring to constantly look and check yourself and go, oh, "You're a bit of an idiot," then, and you didn't do that right, and that's quite oh, exhausting sometimes. So, I think that almost you know getting over myself and certainly when I started out as a consultant I was a hot mess of can I really do this is is this really can I are people going to listen to me and you know you just then go well I've got to really work hard to make sure I know as much as I possibly can know to make sure I'm delivering the value that I really think I can so I guess yeah Getting over my demons and getting over myself is probably the truth, Keith. Really interesting. And what, 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 or who would you say have been the biggest influences on your life and career? So every from? client I work with has been uh, uh, amazing. So Volkswagen, you know, three years working with Volkswagen, that was such a tough gig, but it really that was that. So. Um, David Shortland from from Proximity, the agency that managed us, he was a massive influence on my career. My my line manager, Lynn Sollers, at the listening company, she's been a massive influence on just my career and attitude. And then when I became a consultant, you know, I've got a 
uh, I work with Steve Sullivan a lot and it's lovely as an independent consultant to have somebody that you can sort of go oh this is you know all that side of things and then I've secured a real coup because I've got a mentor in Sheila McGee Smith who's like one of the best analysts in the industry for CCAS and contact center so I asked her and I think this is a real lesson in terms of career um, is you know if you don't ask you don't get so I asked her on LinkedIn you know I was very clear that I think she's amazing I want to be where she is now and she said yeah so we have catch-ups and I feel I continuously feel inspired by what Sheila's done and feel like yeah she's got a clear path I'm just going to follow that fantastic so uh, as you know we always like to ask our guests to reflect and help those come up through the industry so uh, you can go back to being 25 or 30 again what advice would you give to your younger self just believe in yourself you know um, carry on working really really hard the hours do matter um, uh, and keep putting the hours in keep putting the time in um, and just have a bit more confidence in yourself probably because as I say those early years of deciding to go it alone were pretty tough and I I could have it was it was all right it's been all right in the end and you know that was kind of a waste of time and worry <laughs> yeah yeah super and how do you unwind and escape from it all tell us a few things about you we wouldn't know from looking at your LinkedIn profile I do loads of walking, so um, I love walking. I did twenty six thousand miles, uh, twenty six thousand steps the other day. I just love. I've got a cockapoo. Everyone knows I've got a cockapoo. Oh, he's not here, um, but me and him, yeah, we go for hours of walking. Love karaoke. I'm Welsh, Keith, so we all think we can sing. So I love a bit <laughs> of karaoke, and I love a bit. Of, I'll do a, if we ever get the chance. I'll do a bit of Oasis for you on the karaoke. Absolutely um, fabulous. Yeah, and then musicals. I love musicals. Right, amazing. Any particular ones that we should should know about? Uh, I'm going to see six for the fourth time in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's it, a it's an hour and 10 minutes so for my ADHD that's perfect. There's no and it's just like a big party. It's all about King Henry VIII's six wives and how they compete against each other. It's great fun. But yeah, I love sounds, the classics as well. Sounds absolutely amazing. Neris, it's been fascinating having you with us today. I hope our listeners have found this as insightful as I have. You can find out lots more about the Customer Experience Foundation at cxfo.org. We thank you for joining us at the Customer Experience Foundation and we hope you can join us next time on The Big Interview.